You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And here's your host, Aram Layton. Welcome back to Locked On MLB Prospects, your only daily podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. Today's going to be a little bit more of a downer in the respect that normally I like to talk about the guys I think are going to be superstars, the guys that I think are breaking out or on the verge of breaking out, some cool stories, etc., even the interviews with some players, which I'm going to tease some pretty exciting interviews coming up soon. I'll get to that in a minute. But today I had to do this episode because this is one of those things that a lot of people get really frustrated with slow starts with prospects, and I wanted to dive into it a little bit. So I'm going to talk about the most disappointing prospects of this season. This doesn't mean that I don't think that they're going to pan out in the long term. Some of them I'm a little bit more concerned about, but overall, you know, this is just so hard to gauge on a 60-game season where it was so difficult for everybody involved, especially imagine being a prospect coming up in this situation. But I'm looking at some of the metrics and just the peripheral numbers, and some things really stood out to me with some of these players, and I wanted to just get into it and kind of voice what the concern level should be going into next year. Not that you can really tell everything from this small sample size, but there are some alarming numbers when you look at some guys, and there's some encouraging numbers when you look at others. Unfortunately, with the three players I picked for this kind of episode, it's more on the side of alarming than encouraging, and that kind of leads me into starting with Joe Adele, who you probably would have guessed would be one of the guys mentioned in this episode. I think if you watched baseball at all, even if you were an Angels fan or just casually kept up with the bigs, you knew kind of about Joe Adele and the hype around him because he was one of the best prospects in baseball coming into the year. He was one of the more exciting guys to be called up when he was caught up early in the season. He's big in stature. He's athletic. He's exciting. He was potentially going to be that compliment to Mike Trout, who everybody has been waiting for. Mike Trout to have the compliments that he deserves, but he really needs more pitching, as we all know. And Adele had put up some pretty crazy numbers in the minor leagues. I talked about him in some older episodes. I actually made the case for him to get called up early in the season as the Angels were off to a slow start. And they did give him the call-up, and he he really struggled through the whole year. I would venture to say that he might have been the worst regular uh, all season long in, in the entire league. He continued to get at-bats, which I think was the right move from the Angels to an extent. But at the same time, they, they really wanted to win. And with Trout now again not making the postseason, it's just getting ridiculous for baseball to have one of the best players of all time just repeatedly not in the postseason. Joe Adele was their only option, really, until Jared Walsh got called up. He mostly played first base, though. And Upton, old, struggling, not the same. And they were really just hoping Adele could get going because that was what they needed. That was kind of the spark that they needed, and he didn't. He hit 161, 212, 266 slash line, three home runs, seven runs driven in. And when you look at the scouting reports on Adele, a lot of what's said is, you know, this guy has a five-tool potential, plus runner, plus power, can really track balls down well. He doesn't have to play center field. He'll be playing right or left because Trout's in center. Had all the makings for a well-rounded player. But a lot of times you'll see with, with pro players that are struggling, Sometimes they take those bad at-bats onto the field where some guys, especially in the outfield, where you can kind of zone out and get lost in your thoughts. Sometimes that actually affects them. And Joe Adele's defense took a hit as well. His UZR was minus four. His UZR 150 
was negative 16.7. So that's not what you would expect from Joe Adele. At the very least, you would hope that he would give you some value defensively. And I'm not saying he was ever going to be a gold glover in the corners, but he was supposed to be an above average fielder. I think that as he starts to improve at the plate a little bit, he will improve immensely in the field because, again, it's one of those things where it seems to carry over between the two. The, the big problem for, for Joe Adele was the swing and miss. Striking out 42% of the time, which is egregious. You, you can't have success in the major leagues striking out 42% of the time. I mean, that, that goes without being said. But even in the 30% range, which is where he had been a lot of times in the minor leagues, you don't want to be there either. His average in the minors was around 25%. That you can handle. You know, 25%, you can salvage some success as long as you run into baseballs and you walk. But that's the other thing is, is Joe Adele never really walked much. And now he didn't walk much in the major leagues either. Guys went right after him. They knew that he would chase. And even in the minor leagues, he walked roughly 5-6% of the time. Now he walked right about 5-6% of the time in his first major league season as well. And I would say the most concerning thing would be his contact on pitches in the zone because that's one of the more telling things to me. You know, there's pitch recognition issues, which I'll get into. There's being a little bit too long, you know, not squaring balls up as much, which is swing path. There's so many different things that go into it that can be addressed. And not saying that these Joe Adele issues can't be addressed, but one of the more concerning things to me is going to be contact rate in the zone because that means you are missing pitches that you should be hitting, put simply. And his contact rate in the zone was 64%. The MLB average is right around 83 to 84%. So well below average on contact rate in the zone. So swinging and missing through a lot of pitches he should be hitting. And even more so, he whiffed on 40% of fastballs. So he was whiffing on a lot of fastballs in the strike zone. That is a concern. And that's a, that points towards length in the swing and bad timing. So I, I wonder you know, what adjustments he's going to make with his swing to shorten up because you cannot be swinging through that many fastballs as a guy like Joe Adele, a power hitter, but with some speed that needs to be either a table setter or a compliment to Mike Trout and Shohei Otani and Anthony Rendon. So I, I think that the fastballs missing that is got to be one of the biggest red flags. You know, the breaking balls, a lot of young hitters, a lot of young big power hitters will struggle to pick those up. And Adele struggled with that big time too. He, he chased a pretty good amount on the breaking balls. And if you look at his strikeout zones, he would chase the breaking balls in the dirt as much as anybody. 36 of his 55 strikeouts came on balls that were down in the zone, either below the strike zone or in the bottom third, which you don't want to see either. That I would be less concerned about if it was just that. You know, he's just chasing the breaking balls in the dirt or down in the bottom of the zone. But he's doing that on top of missing fastballs that are in the zone. It seems like he's just up there guessing. And that's where things get very, very scary and very difficult as a hitter. You just, that's where you hear the term lost. When you're guessing, you get lost. Adele is a special talent. He has the power to hit 30 home runs, no problem. He's got a lot of ability there. I just don't know if the all of the other aspects of what goes into a hitter being productive, I don't know if Adele has those qualities to be a consistent, consistent hitter. I think that ship is kind of sailed, but we do know that he could be the guy that could run into 30 home runs, can still hit you 250, and be an above average defender. I don't know what the huge issue is with Adele's swing. I know it's a little long, but it's not that egregious compared to some of the other guys that I've seen with those kinds of swing and miss numbers, right? To be missing with 
that frequency of pitches in the zone, you know, a zone contact of 64%, those things are very surprising to me. When you look at his swing, it's a little long, but it's not that crazy. I've seen much worse with better outcomes. So I think a little bit's got to be pitch selection combined with the swing, and he's got to be up there guessing. It really seems like that based on the fact that he's chasing so many balls down and out of the zone and that he's not walking. I mean, when you look at the fact that he's not walking, he's chasing and missing pitches in the zone, it's, it it's doesn't bode well for the long-term outlook. But I will say he is so naturally gifted and so talented that you hope he can put it together. But what comes to mind a little bit is a Lewis Brinson, where Brinson really struggled after putting up ridiculous numbers in the minor leagues and the consistency was not there. And the one thing that was constant was that he chased breaking balls down in the zone and was overmatched by fastballs that were in the zone. And that's kind of what we're seeing with Adele and both really athletic, strong, power hitting guys that just did not really make that transition into the bigs yet. Adele's got a lot more time given that he's only played roughly 50 games, 40 something games. While Brinson's now on what would be almost his third season fully he looked a lot better this year, but obviously not nearly what we thought he would be given the prospect shine that he used to have as a blue chipper. Next guy, Evan White. Evan White was one of the most frequently struck out guys in the game too, right there with Joe Adele, 41.6% K rate. White's a first baseman with the Mariners, if you're not familiar. I think most people are because he's another guy that was a pretty highly touted prospect, put up some really good power numbers in the minor leagues, and was able to consistently hit for some power and consistently get on base because he is a guy that does walk a good amount of the time. And that was one of the silver linings, at least in this season for him, is despite the 41% K rate and the 176 batting average, he did walk at least 9% of the time, which is just a tick above average. But when guys are swinging and missing that much and struggling, they typically are not going to walk above average or even at an average rate. So I will take that as a small victory for Evan White, but that's always been his thing. He's never really had strikeout issues. He's never really been above 23% in the strikeout rate department in the minor leagues. And now all of a sudden, he really struggles and, and strikes out nearly half of the time in the majors, and that's uncharacteristic for him. I will say he is as athletic as a first baseman as you're going to find. His defense, we're talking about how Joe Adele's defense kind of suffered as a result of his struggles at the plate. Evan White was able to separate the two. He was the best defensive first baseman in baseball. I think he's got a case for a gold glove at first base this year. He led all first basemen with seven defensive runs saved. He made some crazy flashy plays, chasing down balls in the out, uh, in the outfield, in the shallow outfield or in foul territory. I think Evan White has the capability to play a corner outfield spot if he really needed to. I'd have to see more with his throwing arm, but in terms of tracking the ball and how fast he is, he's well above average in speed too. He's just a great athlete. But with, with White, it, it was... Another similar thing with just not being able to hit pitches in the zone. His in-the-zone contact at 71% was a tick better than Joe Adele, but very overmatched by fastballs. And with Evan White, I was able to see something a lot more concrete in his swing that would indicate as to why he was struggling so much with certain pitches. If you see, he got pounded low and away, whether it was fastballs or breaking balls, low and away. And then they would set that up either with a fastball up and in, then go low and away or vice versa. And it worked really well against him. When you look at his swing mechanics, it makes sense. 
that that would be the scouting report because his front side pulls off of everything. You see a lot of the pitches that he swings through, whether it's the fastball up and in or the breaking ball or fastball down and away. He is yanking off of everything, almost looking into the third base dugout after every swing. And that's a big red flag with somebody that's a little bit overmatched, right? They're trying to do something else to get that barrel through the zone, to get the bat out of there. And clearly, that's another guy that's kind of guessing. I will say with Evan White, though, he does have the better plate discipline. And it was more for him. It's just mechanical with that front side leaving. He was still able to walk, as I said, and he still plays that elite defense, was a little bit better, and he doesn't chase. He actually chases less than most hitters. He 24% chase rate. The MLB average is at 28%. So for him, again, it was a guy that really was just struggling with hitting pitches relatively in the zone or close to the zone because of that mechanical issue. I think that if he can stay on the ball more, not swing quite as hard, and try to keep things more centralized and compact, he would probably have some more success. But there's just too much movement right now, and it's hurting him. And with White, he hits the ball as hard as anybody in the game. He consistently is able to hit the ball in the upper 10th percentile in terms of barrel percentage and frequency. So he's up there with striking the ball hard. He had a little bit of bad luck with a low BABIP, but regardless, when you're hitting 176, you can't really attribute it to luck. The pitches down and away is something that I think he really needs to focus on is being able to keep that front side on those pitches down and away and drive it to center field, drive it the other way and stay on those pitches longer. That will help him more with the inside pitches as well and just trusting his hands because he has great hands. He has power. He has great athletic ability. He doesn't need all of that movement. We'll see what the case is for White. I will say the fact that White is a plus defender works in his favor, but at the end of the day, as a first baseman, you need to be able to produce some power numbers and be able to be productive offensively to really have value. You're not going to be able to use your glove to propel you at first base or even a corner outfield spot. So White is going to need to get it going at the plate, but at least he ran into eight home runs. Again, a guy that definitely is able to hit the ball hard. He drove in 26 runs as well, so would have almost been on pace for 80 runs driven in despite all of these struggles because he hits the ball hard. Still, Got to find that consistency, and I think that he has a better chance at cutting down that K rate more dramatically and more drastically than Joe Adele, but you never know. Both athletic guys that one white does not have as much of the history of swing and miss, and I think it's a little bit easier for him given that we can see the one very tangible issue with him that he can fix, and I think that will help him pretty quickly with just more consistently driving the ball the other way and getting the barrel on the ball more consistently. Though he does barrel balls up frequently, I would just say getting the bat on the ball more frequently would be the better way to describe it. A reminder that this episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Why pay 20, 30, 50% more for the same auto parts when you could just go to rockauto.com and get it for a reliably low price. Why go to the chain stores or the dealerships and pay those inflated prices and deal with the whole headache when rockauto.com has an easy to navigate website where you can find whatever car part you need for any make or model. Rockauto.com has been serving auto part customers online for over 20 years as a family owned business. If you go to rockauto.com, you'll see that they have everything from engine modules to windshield wipers to even a new carpet, motor oil, anything, it'll be shipped straight to your door. And their catalog is, like I said before, easy to navigate. You'll quickly see whatever parts that are available for your car and choose the brand specifications or prices that you prefer. 
go to rockauto.com and let them know that Locked On sent you in the How Did You Hear About Us section, and you won't regret it. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So I'm going to wrap up now with a pitcher because I wanted to mix it up and throw a pitcher in here as well. And another guy that comes in with a lot of reliever risk. I don't know if I'm sold on him as a starter. I talked about him when he got the call up this year with the Tigers, and I was thinking that reliever risk was definitely a component of him, and now we're seeing it more and more. It's Tarek Skubal, who was... Kind of a guy that came out of nowhere, a very unique story out of Seattle University, struggled with command in college, Tommy John surgery, then kind of exploded onto the scene in 2019 when he struck out over 80 batters in 41 innings, which was just absurd, despite throwing fastballs 70% of the time. That was because his fastball was just so darn good. He's deceptive. He's long. He's a lefty with that hides the ball very well, is able to locate that fastball a little bit better now. But even when he couldn't locate it, it was just so hard to pick up that guys would chase. And he was very good at getting outs with that pitch. But he was throwing it 70% of the time. And as I had pointed out in the podcast in the past, there's not very many starting pitchers that can do that. Lance Lynn's the only one, and he throws variations of his fastball. The only guy that throws a fastball as much as him is Josh Hader, who is a reliever and a great one. But I could see Scooble being more of a Josh Hader, and I think that's more of a realistic ceiling. The numbers for the year for him, 1-4, 5-6-3 ERA, 32 innings, 37 Ks, 11 walks. Again, he leaned on the fastball pretty heavy, but he was a little bit more evenly distributed with his stuff in this first professional se- or first major league season, excuse me, only through the fastball, I say only, 59% of the time. And it was not as effective, which is something that I had been a little bit worried about as he got the call up. Is, is that fastball going to be as effective against major league hitters? Well, major leaguers hit five or 246 against that fastball with a 538 slugging percentage. And that's kind of leads me into the struggles of keeping the ball in the yard. He was a little bit better at home because of how big it is there at Comerica Park where you have a cavernous outfield and the ball does not carry great. As you remember, Nick Castellanos complaining about that quite a bit. That helps him a little bit at home. But he he's always been a guy that's going to get fly balls a little bit more than average. But still, typically in the minor leagues, his ground ball rate was right around 40%. There's not very many pitchers that I mentioned that throw fastballs more than 60% of the time and have immense success and there's not very many pitchers in the major leagues especially today with the new baseballs and with the power that these hitters have that give up a lot of fly balls and have success and Scooble gave up a lot of fly balls only a 27% ground ball rate in his 32 innings which that has to improve no matter what kind of pitcher you are 54.2% on the fly ball rate and the most concerning 20% home run to fly ball rate meaning a large portion of the fly balls that were hit left the yard. And it makes sense that he gave up nine home runs in 32 innings. That, that is utterly insane. That that can't happen. And that's a result of the fact that he is not really as effective pitching down in the zone because his changeup is not great. Guys were hitting 240 off that changeup. He also gave up a pair of home runs on that pitch. The slider was actually his best out pitch. And that was where he was able to get more hitters out, especially lefties. They hit just 185 against it, but he only throws a slider 15% of the time, throws a changeup actually 16% of the time, mixes in a curveball every once in a while as well. But with Scooble struggling to keep the ball in the yard as a fastball predominant guy without a really good or really above average off-speed pitch that you can really, really count on, maybe the slider can get there, the changeup just isn't there. 
that's going to be an issue for him. And until he gets that changeup going, that fastball is not going to play up the way it did in the minor leagues. And with the lack of ability to keep the ball in the yard, I do have some concerns there. Also, the fact that he was not able to limit contact or hard contact, only a 12% soft contact rate, 40% medium contact rate, which means most hitters were at least getting a decent piece of the pitches he was throwing because you can be sitting fastball. I would almost shut down any other pitch he throws. If he locates the changeup or the slider, then you know maybe I'll adjust. But it seems like he couldn't really locate that pitch too often. And when he fell behind, you could really sit on that fastball as he throws it two out of three times almost. And when a guy throws his fastball two out of three times, that gives a huge advantage to the hitter. And you could talk to any pro hitter. They will say that they love guys like that because it's predictive. And you can really count on it. There's exceptions to anything like Mariano Rivera or some of these other pitchers. But again, Mariano Rivera only had to pitch one inning most of the time. And that's why when you look at Tarek Skubal's numbers, when he gets around to the second time around the lineup, it makes sense that he struggled even more because now hitters started to key in on what they needed to expect. First time through the order, a 4.11 ERA. Second time through the order, Scooble pitched to a 10 ERA, and that's not what you want to see. Hitters were almost hitting 300 against him their second look at him, which makes sense, again, when you consider the fact that he is so fastball dominant. It seems like if you follow the account Barrel Alert on Twitter, which I highly recommend, it is always cool to monitor, I would only see Tarek Skubal's name every time I would go on Twitter, barrel alert. I was just a victim of the latest barrel in Major League Baseball, and that's because they're sitting on that fastball. So we'll see if he can improve upon keeping the ball in the yard. He's going to need to be able to pitch in the lower part of the zone, whether he comes up with a two-seamer that he throws a little bit, whether he uses the changeup a little bit more, or whether he's able to just locate that fastball a little bit better on the lower half of the zone and on the outer half of the zone. He's going to struggle as a starter, and I think that there's a very good chance that he is limited to a reliever role, but he could be a very good high-leverage reliever. You figure he could dial it up a little bit extra as a guy that's only going to go one or two innings and run it up into the high 90s with that deception and really can count on the fastball a lot more in the shorter span, only going one inning. As I mentioned, the numbers first time around were much better, a four ERA, which I think if he's a reliever, they'd be even better than that, quite obviously. And I think he would be a very, very good reliever. Obviously, it's you got to try him out as much as you can as a starter if you're the Tigers. And I'm not saying that there's no hope for him as a starter, but gun to my head, I'm probably saying Tarek Skubal's future is in the bullpen, but you know he's got plenty of time to prove me wrong. He's just going to have to develop another pitch or get that changeup going a lot better to be able to do that. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I usually keep it on the more positive side, but you know what? We got to be critical, and there were plenty of prospects, unfortunately, to be critical of this year. There always are because of how hard it is to make it in this game of baseball. That is just so cruel, but I think that some of these guys will be able to bounce back, whether they will be able to bounce back to reach the ceilings that they supposedly had as prospects. That's another story, but all of them are very talented. All three of the players I talked about today are very talented, and I wouldn't be surprised at all to see them become the stars that people think they can. But I also wouldn't be surprised to see these struggles continue based on some of the metrics and the peripherals that I talked about today. Thank you for listening as always, and I look forward to talking prospects with you tomorrow.